Welcome to the Not Old Better Show Smithsonian Associates Interview Series. We have another great show for you featuring our interview with science writer, correspondent, and author Andrew Lawler. Andrew Lawler will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates program titled Jerusalem's Buried History Tuesday, January 18th, 2022 via Zoom. Andrew Lawler is author of the new book, Under Jerusalem, The Buried History of the World's Most Contested City, and is our guest today. No other city evokes as much emotion and provokes as much violence as Jerusalem. But how did the famous City of Peace become so contested? Our guest today, Andrew Lawler, will answer that question and says much of the answer lies underground. Andrew Lawler tells us that for more than a century and a half, treasure hunters, clerics, and archaeologists have sought to uncover remains of Jerusalem's biblical past from the Ark of the Covenant to the site of Jesus' crucifixion. This effort, linked to the expansion of European empires as well as an intense desire to corroborate scripture, proved an essential ingredient in the controversy that continues to roil the Middle East and the world. The story of Jerusalem is the tale of how science, politics, and religion meet in its shadowy subterranean spaces. Science journalist, author, correspondent Andrew Lawler traces that buried history as he discusses with us today the early explorers who navigated sewage-filled passages follows the European, American, and Israeli archaeologists who made stunning discoveries beneath the city and explores how these finds become essential elements in the battle to control the holy city. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Smithsonian Associate Andrew Lawler. Andrew Lawler, welcome to the program. Thank you, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here. It's really a pleasure to talk to you, too. I think this subject is going to be fascinating. We're going to talk about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation, as well as your new book, Buried Jerusalem. I'm, I'm looking forward to this because I think this is just a, it's something that I think our audience might not be thinking about, specifically with regard to Jerusalem. But I wonder if you'd start with just a little background. Just briefly tell us about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation and in particular how you're going to be using Zoom. We're all we're all on Zoom these days, it seems, and um, I think this presentation, uh, particularly because of the visuals, possibly the maps and some of the things that you might be using, might engage our audience uh, quite nicely. So maybe tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, Jerusalem is a small place, but it is a complex place. There is so much underground, uh, and my book Under Jerusalem is essentially about what's beneath the city. So in order to give people a good sense of that, uh, I'll be showing lots of images uh, that were taken mostly by my colleague, Simon Norfolk, who is a National Geographic photographer. So I was over in Jerusalem uh, for quite some time, just pre-pandemic, and Simon and I crawled around underneath the city, uh, visited with archaeologists, and uh, he got lots of great shots that I want to share with the audience because it really helps to have a visceral feel for uh, what's beneath the city. Even for those who've been to Jerusalem and who uh, have visited some of the underground tourist sites, there's a lot more that we got access to that I think will be of great interest. And these these images, uh, many of them quite stunning, that Simon took will be an essential part of that presentation. Thank you for that. Yes, I, I, I want to make sure I, I do have this right because I might have said the title incorrectly. It is Under Jerusalem, the Buried History of the World's Most Contested City. The book is about 
the archaeology of Jerusalem. How did you get started writing about archaeology in the first place? Because in my in my research of you, I found that you're a, a widely uh, uh, read and a very prolific uh, writer on the subject of science. Archaeology is a science, of course, but but maybe an interesting departure from some of the other things that I, I found that you've done. So why why write about archaeology and why write about Jerusalem? Uh, that's a great question. Well, I actually began as a, a reporter covering the space program, of all things. Uh, I covered NASA and then went on to write about uh, Washington politics with regard to space and science. And at, after a certain point, I'd written as many budget stories as I wanted to write. And I was on a fellowship at Harvard and MIT and a journalism fellowship. And I had the chance to take any course I wanted. And one of the courses I chose was a Mesopotamian archaeology course, just because it was a, an interest I'd long had. And I got to know the professor who uh, very quickly offered uh, me a chance to go to Baghdad for uh, a meeting on 5,000 years of writing. So I went to Baghdad. This is before the, the Iraq war and was able to get to know people, both archaeologists as well as both archaeologists in, in the U.S. as well as those in Iraq. And I, I was kind of bitten by the bug. So ever since then, I've been writing primarily about archaeology in the Middle East and Central Asia. Yeah. And, and again, the title of the book is Under Jerusalem, the Buried History of the World's Most Contested City. The book is getting great reviews. And and I suppose many, many in our audience will know about the political, the religious uh, context of Jerusalem and how fraught with danger I think the city of Jerusalem is. How did you begin to think about Jerusalem as this uh, potential scientific study uh, of archaeology there? Well, actually, I avoided Jerusalem for many years. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I mean, for, for obvious reasons. For yeah, me, yeah. The, the politics, and the religion, it all seemed so complicated and difficult and controversial that I steered clear. Uh, and then uh, a few years ago, I was visiting Israel at a conference, an archaeology conference, and an archaeologist who was a friend of mine, suggested that I go to Jerusalem with him and we take a little tour. And we did. And he took me into these underground spaces I had no idea existed. He introduced me to the archaeologists. And as we were talking, they constantly were making references to uh, to different tunnels that were built by European explorers. Uh, and I became kind of interested in that. I thought, oh, well, there's a real history to the excavations here, which I didn't know. So I did a story for National Geographic on what's underneath Jerusalem, but then I began to dig into the uh, the people who had gone before uh, these this, these generations of explorers, uh, treasure seekers, as well as archaeologists who were searching beneath Jerusalem. And I realized that actually there's one story here that has not been told, and that is how the story of archaeology is really the story of how Jerusalem went from being a a kind of a modest size, dusty town where some pilgrims would go occasionally to the world's most contested city. And this took place largely because of archaeology. And some of these personalities, and you, you write about this in the book, but I wonder if you'd share maybe a little bit about some of the, the cast of characters of, of archaeologists over the years who have excavated Jerusalem. This was the most fun of all, uh, was to, to find out that there were these these incredible characters, many of them quite obsessive uh, in their search for biblical Jerusalem. Uh, one, for example, maybe the most famous of all archaeologists in Jerusalem was Charles Warren. He was a, actually a British military officer who in the 1860s was given the task 
of going to Jerusalem and mapping what lay beneath. And as I began to explore something about him, he was a little bit of a, an extreme sports enthusiast. He was the first person to climb the Rock of Gibraltar. He, uh, he had done all kinds of you know, crazy physical things. And this was really good training for him to be in Jerusalem. He began to actually mine, dig enormous tunnels beneath the city in order to understand what had gone before. He was also a mason which turned out to be quite important because Masons believed that King Solomon's temple was, was uh, very critical for their beliefs. And so he was really interested in finding remains from King Solomon's temple. So the more I got into it, the more I realized that these explorers weren't just scientists looking for truth. They were also people with religious beliefs who were looking to uh, find a way to prove their beliefs through science. Uh, they were also uh, people looking for treasure and uh, I can go on about that. There's a there's a gentleman named Montague Brownlow Parker. I would be glad to talk. About. <laughs> well, please tell us a little bit about Montague. <laughs> Montague Brownlow Parker was he was the brother of a of a British earl, and at the turn of the last century, around the early 1900s, he met up with this Finnish uh, theologian who believed he had cracked the code uh, in the Bible that explained exactly where the Ark of the Covenant and the temple treasures that had long been lost were hidden. And they were hidden beneath Jerusalem, uh, in tunnels underneath the old city. And he teamed up with this very bizarre cast of characters, including a Swiss psychic, uh, a steamboat captain from the Congo River. I mean, it, you really can't make up a more bizarre archeological team. But actually, he, he forgot to hire an actual archeologist. Um, and when they began to dig looking for the temple treasures, they, of course, found virtually nothing of interest. But uh, they decided in the very end, when they were getting desperate and they had to pay their investors, that uh, they would bribe the guards who were in charge of the temple mount or the noble sanctuary, the, the, the third most holy site in Islam, so that they could go into the Dome of the Rock, in that big golden dome that sits in the center of the what is essentially the city's Acropolis, and bang away at this rock, hoping that the treasure lay beneath. Now, of course, they were discovered, chased out of town. They barely got out alive, uh, and it created this international furor that uh, angered Muslims all the way, uh, all the way to India, and also laid the groundwork for Palestinian Arabs to believe that uh, they needed to protect uh, their holy site there in Jerusalem, which had huge implications uh, for Jerusalem even today. We are with Andrew Lawler. Andrew Lawler is a contributing editor for archaeology and a writer for Science Magazine. Andrew Lawler has a byline that has appeared in the New York Times, Washington Post, and National Geographic. Andrew Lawler is the author of the new book, Under Jerusalem. And Andrew Lawler will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates coming up here Tuesday, January 18th. We're going to have links to where our audience can find out more information about Andrew Lawler, his new book, Under Jerusalem, and particularly about the Smithsonian Associates presentation. Again, the book is just getting these great reviews, and the title, Under Jerusalem, The Buried History of the World's Most Contested City. You refer to the politics of Israel and Palestine and these territorial conflicts that, uh, that play a role in, in Jerusalem. Why is Jerusalem so contested, specifically around 
uh, this idea of archaeology? Well, it's easy to think that Jerusalem has always been a contested place. I mean, it's a truism to say that uh, it's a sacred city for Muslims as well as Christians and Jews. So you, you would assume that, well, that it's always been contested. But actually, I discovered that's not true. It really wasn't until the middle of the 19th century that Jerusalem came to be sought over and fought over by the European powers. So let me explain. So at the time, Jerusalem was, uh, was controlled by the Ottoman Empire, which was a, an empire based in Istanbul uh, by Turkic-speaking people, and uh, they controlled that entire area. So when Westerners arrived, they had to uh, be very mindful that this, was, this wasn't their empire, this wasn't their city. But Western colonial powers were eager to control Jerusalem because it lay at the center of the Ottoman Empire. So archaeology, that is you know, people digging beneath the city to find the biblical past, became entwined with the, what was going on above ground. That is, the European colonial powers eager to, to use Jerusalem as a wedge to maybe grab a piece of what was then a, a fraying Ottoman Empire. That's just fascinating stuff. So you know, go back to the Ottoman Empire and the biblical past and this the, the European colonial powers. When did Jerusalem begin to be excavated then? It was really in the 1860s. Uh, and, and the first person who got a, a dig permit, that is a, a, an excavation license, was a man named uh, Dezolzi. He was a, a French senator who was also a friend of uh, Napoleon III, who was the emperor of France at that time. And he got permission to dig in what's called the Tomb of the Kings. And he found this enormous stone sarcophagus. And within the sarcophagus, deep in this tomb, uh, he found a skeleton within this, uh, this stone casket. And clearly it was that of a, of a woman uh, and a royal woman at that because there were some golden threads in it. He declared that this was an ancient Judean queen and had this sarcophagus and the remains shipped to the Louvre where they became a sensation. Think of, think of the King Tut exhibit, which I believe was the Smithsonian back in the, in the 1970s, right? It was that kind of sensation, even more so. For the first time, people could go and see physical remains of what was purported to be uh, uh, someone who had been mentioned in the Bible. Now, it didn't turn out to be true. Actually, this person who was buried there was buried far later, probably later than than that of Jesus, so a thousand years after the ancient Judean queens. But nonetheless, it began this, this craze for finding biblical remains, and that's what drew so many explorers to Jerusalem in the 19th century. Andrew Lalo, I, I, you know, I just I love the work that I get to do because I get to talk to people like you, and and, and I I mean that in in just this very complimentary way. I I'm just I'm grinning here because this is just all so so interesting to me. And in my research, in anticipation of our conversation today, I I found out about a, a publication called Biblical Archaeology. I I just think that that was fascinating because of this notion, and you you kind of refer to this when you talk about. Uh, Montague Brownlow Parker, great name, by the way, <laughs> and and he carried out these excavations searching for, uh, I think it was Solomon's Temple. There's a lot of this kind of biblical archaeology that's going on, and I, I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about how you kind of drew the line in terms of the questions that any biblical scholar might ask, and those of 
science because often I found in this research that many approached the archaeology with a biblical question in mind to prove their religious uh, study or a religious text, perhaps. Yet science operates uh, in a different way. We ask a question and then it's the answer is reported on regardless of what that answer is. And so I wonder what motivated some of these early excavators and and maybe tell us a couple of their stories because I think Montague is an interesting one, but this whole area of biblical archaeology I think was fascinating to me in, in kind of my research. Well, biblical archaeology, it, it's a kind of a contradiction in terms in a sense. Yeah, yeah. The Bible is a, is a book of belief and archaeology is a science. So when biblical archaeology first began, it was, you can really trace it back to the 1840s. There was a Connecticut theologian Protestant theologian named Edward Robinson. And he went to Jerusalem because he wanted to use the tools of science in order to prove that the Bible wasn't just a a, a list of fables uh, or made up. He wanted to show that it was true. So he traveled around both in Jerusalem and around the city to find place names and to be able to to show people that, that this was real. Because at the time, remember, uh, geologists were beginning to question Genesis, uh, the way the Bible described the creation of the universe. And uh, there was also uh, talk of uh, evolution, although Charles Darwin didn't write until the 1860s about this. It was already in the wind that there were questions about, about the way the Bible described the physical universe and how it came into being. So Robinson wanted to use the tools of science in order to back up Christian doctrine. And this I find fascinating because I don't think there's another example where science, a new science, was used in order to try and and bolster belief. Now, uh, that began to change over the course and, of the it went, century. I'll just interrupt for just – I'm sorry to interrupt you, but when you say a new science, you mean kind of the new science of archaeology. That That's kind of the new science, right? Yes, yes, because archaeology, yeah. <laughs> remember, really doesn't come into being as we understand it until late in the 19th century. So everybody before was – they were digging, they were measuring, but they didn't really have the basic tools that we now know, like – uh, being able to read pottery in order to date things, uh, much less be able to use radiocarbon dating to provide pre- precise dating, or to understand the stratigraphy of of a dig in order to to place what took place, you know, what happened when. Uh, so these were not ideas that had yet come into fashion. So really, it was more exploration uh, than than archaeology. But this was the beginning of archaeology, and uh, what's what's interesting is. The, the first big question that was answered by archaeology had to do with where Jesus was crucified and buried. Now, the Holy Sepulcher, which lies toward the center of the, the Holy City, had long been the traditional place where this happened. But Protestants arrived in Jerusalem and they said, well, this is a hoax. The Holy Sepulcher is, is near the middle of the city, but the Gospels are clear that Jesus was crucified and buried outside of the walls of ancient Jerusalem. So what could explain this contradiction? Well, a German cuckoo clock repairman, who later became one of uh, Jerusalem's great uh, archaeologists as well as architects, he dug, along with uh, some Russians, alongside the Holy Sepulchre, and they were able to find the ancient walls of Jerusalem. And it showed that, in fact, during the time of Jesus, the walls of Jerusalem uh, were located just uh, just inside where the Holy Sepulchre stands today. So this was one instance where where science helped 
to bolster a tradition of um, of a very important event that took place in Jerusalem. Yeah, as I say, I, this is just all fascinating to me, and I think your presentation is just going to be wonderful. Andrew Lawler is our guest today. Andrew Lawler, I just have one final question for you. How, do, how does archaeology affect the city of Jerusalem today? Because things are... Things to, seem to be more protracted today. There, there, there's more, um, I think, a quarrelsome nature, and and I think this idea of Palestinian rights and uh, the rights of the Israelis in Jerusalem are, are, seem to be more on our minds, at least today. So archaeology must fit into that somewhere. What I found astonishing was that whether it's the 1860s or the 2020s, archaeology is used in Jerusalem to uh, to back certain myths, certain views, certain religions, certain politics, that from the beginning it was intertwined with the politics and religion of the city. And I don't think this is necessarily a good or bad thing. It just is what's happened and what continues to happen today. So the big debate going on today in, in, in Jerusalem is how does archaeology support uh, the views, particularly of, of Israel, which uh, as a government is very clear that it believes that the city of Jerusalem belongs to Israel, and Palestinians, on the other hand, say, no, this is the Palestinian city, and they claim it as their capital. So it's the only place on earth where you have two peoples who are claiming this as a capital. So when you dig, you're digging up history, and digging up history is always controversial in this place because it hinges, it, it, it can uh, provide ammunition on either side. And generally it provides ammunition uh, on the Israeli side because most of the Israeli archaeologists are Jewish and they're working either for the government or they're working for, uh, for organizations that are Israeli Jewish groups. So there's a lot of ethical issues about how you interpret this history and what is the role of archaeologists in, uh, in how they present their finds and whether it's their responsibility when politicians and others maybe misuse their information. So this is what I think makes the city so unusual and fascinating uh, when you look at what lies below it. Andrew Lawler, our guest today, uh, writer for science, uh, contributing editor for archaeology, has written the new book, Under Jerusalem. It will be at the Smithsonian Associates coming up here January 18th. And again, we're going to have links where you can find out more about this wonderful presentation. It just really brings to life all these characters, as well as the tombs, the tunnels, the trenches of the holy city of Jerusalem. Andrew Lawler, thanks so much for your time today. We, We just wish you the best over the holidays, and we're excited about your upcoming presentation. But please, come back as you as you do more research around this subject, I just think this is a fascinating one for us to talk about. Well, thank you for your time, Paul, and I'm looking forward to the talk. My thanks to Andrew Lawler for his generous time today. Andrew Lawler's new book, Under Jerusalem, The Buried History of the World's Most Contested City, will be the subject of Andrew Lawler's upcoming Smithsonian Associates program titled Jerusalem's Buried History, Tuesday, January 18th. More information is available in our show notes at notold-better.com. Please check it out. My thanks to you, our wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. My thanks as well to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. Please be safe, everyone. Be well. And let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.